If you have your Bibles, open them to uh, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to continue our look at the parables of Jesus. So beginning with verse 21, let's read uh, God's Word. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. We've been looking at the parables of Jesus, and I think it's really important to look at them uh, not only in a series like what we're doing, but perhaps uh, from time to time to go back and and examine what Jesus was saying, because the parables make up about 35% or more of his teaching. Uh, So it's very significant that if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to be someone who's following Him, what was the message of the parable? What were the messages contained? What was the key uh, to understanding them? They're not moral. They're not just moral fables, moral lessons. They're much more than that. Because the parables are tied uniquely to the person of Jesus Christ. You can't really understand the parables apart from understanding Jesus. And you really can't understand Jesus and what His message was and what He was talking about apart from His parable teaching. Made up a lot of what He had to say. So, in Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gave a parable which He said was the key to understanding all parables. And we spent several weeks, actually three weeks, just on that one parable the parable of the sower who sows seed, some on good ground, some on stony ground, some on uh, by the wayside, by the road, whatever. And you, and you saw the, the 
results of that. And Jesus said this is the key to understanding all parables. And so what I told you was the key to understanding parables, the, the way to look at all of them, is through this lens. Not a warrior, but a farmer. The kingdom of God is going to come not as a warrior and strength and power, but a farmer. Not armies, but sowing seed. Not a political victory. This, this really was very contrary to what people expected of Jesus and of that day. Not a political or military victory, but the agonizingly slow and sometimes uncertain growth that comes from agriculture. A plant growing, dependent, utterly dependent upon the sovereignty of God. Only He can make the plant grow. Then we talked about to survive. In that kind of an environment, you must build your life on the rock. We looked at the parable of building your house on the sand, building your life on the rock, or building your life on the sand. Then we talked about the parable of the pearl of great price, or this hidden treasure, that Jesus Christ must become your treasure He has to be the ultimate thing in your life because when the storms of life come, all of your world can be rocked. The wheels can literally come off of our lives. And what we are told in Scripture is even when that happens, not if it happens, but when it happens, because it certainly will happen, when it happens, that He will be your ultimate treasure. That though... Uh, uh, goods and kindred go this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's word abideth still. You see, we sang it this morning. That's what he's saying. Everything can be taken from you, but not him and not that. We're going to grow up like we looked at the parable of the weeds and the, and the wheat. We're going to grow up in a world that is mixed. Lots of tension. And because of that, we've got to be looking for the harvest, looking to the harvester. And that we have been forgiven. We looked at this two weeks ago. We have been forgiven. And we looked at this parable where a woman comes in and she she washes Jesus' feet. She's a woman of the street, a prostitute. And Jesus very clearly tells this wonderful parable of two guys owing money, one owed 500, one owed 50, one owed 50. And yet he... Because neither could pay, He forgave them both. And so God's not looking at the extent or the terribleness of your sin. In fact, uh, if He did, we, we would all be in a lot of trouble. Some would get in, some wouldn't get in, right? I would get in, for sure. Many of you would not. Okay, you know that's tongue in cheek, right? Just kidding. Look, He's saying that sin is an offense. But the one that recognizes, the person that understands, like this poor woman who was kneeling at his feet and crying, weeping profusely with her tears and washing his feet, she understood she needed mercy. And so often in the church, people, we we tend to minimize our sin. We We want to compare ourselves to others. And look, if we do, great. Maybe you're a good person and maybe you're at the top of the heap. But what about the rest of us that are down at the bottom? What do we do? How do we make our way? And so Jesus 
forgives both. And out of love, this woman is devoted to Him, creates worship. And now today we're going to talk about, okay, we've received this amazing forgiveness. How do we then in turn go and start forgiving others? And I'll tell you, this is a big issue. Churches are absolutely destroyed every day because people will not forgive each other. Marriages fall apart because people will not forgive each other. Children get crossways with parents and parents with kids because we don't know how to forgive. You can be in a job and you just, you you know, somebody does something to you that's really bad. I'm not trying to minimize what they do, but we don't know how to forgive. And we're going to talk about this today from this parable. And so here's how we're going to do it. And let me give you just a, a little bit of an outline. We're going to begin with the question. And we're going to end with the answer. Peter asks a question. Jesus answers him. And the parable is framed in that way. And then in the middle of the parable, Jesus tells this amazing, very familiar parable. Most of you have probably heard it. But he does it in three acts. You know, I don't think we really realize how much of a genius that Jesus was. How brilliant he was in the construction of these very simple lessons that were so true they just cut through all of the mess and got down right to the heart of the matter so we'll look at the question the answer at the end and then of course the three the parable in three acts so real quickly what was the question the whole chapter 18 in fact i hope some of you will go home this afternoon read the whole chapter 18 it's all about forgiving and and how to how to manage all of that and he comes to this part and peter naturally asks him the question well how often How often or how many times must I forgive? Now, let me say something about that. Make sure that when you're forgiving somebody, that you're forgiving them of sin and not a mistake. Okay? So if you make a mistake, you know, you forget to pick up milk at the grocery store and your wife says to you, how could you dare forget the milk? I need that milk. Today. And you say, please forgive me. Understand that what you're asking is, please excuse me for making a mistake. Yes? Now forgive me. I didn't sin because you forgot the milk. That's not a sin. The Westminster Catechism tells us Sin is any want or lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So make sure that when you're forgiving someone, that you're actually, they've actually sinned against you. Not just made a mistake or done something amiss or offended you in some way. That is not always a sin. Everybody good with that? That's just a little side thing. Because a lot of times we're always forgive, forgive, forgive. But we're not, we haven't even sinned yet. Forgiveness is for sin. And sin needs forgiveness. All right, that's just a little tangential thing. The rabbis in Jesus' time, first century rabbis, said that it was reasonable to forgive somebody three times. After three times, it was completely within your rights to then exact some sort of retribution to them for having sinned against you. You could let it go three times, but after that, you had a right uh, to exact retribution. So Peter knows this, right? And Peter comes in and he says this to Jesus. They they were great students and Jesus was a good rabbi. So 
Peter says, knowing that it's three times, Peter says, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? In other words, what Peter does in a very Jewish way, a very Hebrew way, is he doubles it, three times three, plus one. Peter goes to an extremity. He he does something that even the rabbis wouldn't have said. No, no, we're going to double three times three plus one. And so everybody would have said, yeah, boy, that's a lot. That is a lot of forgiveness. That's double what the rabbis say plus one. And then they're all kind of smiling, looking at Jesus, kind of waiting to see what's what's he going to do this time with this really good question from us smart guys. And he blows everybody's mind. He says, no, not seven times seven. Or not seven times, but 70 times seven. Or some of the translations you may have say 77 times. We don't really know because the Greek's a little hard to translate. But the, the idea is Jesus says, no, not seven times, but seven times 70 or 77. Uh, in other words, infinity. Over and over and over again, you are to forgive. And he get, look, he gives no qualifications. He gives no conditions. He doesn't say, for these you do it this way. For this sin you do it for this way. For that. He doesn't do any of that. He just says, here it is. The rabbis say three. Peter says seven. Jesus says, I'm going to quote Buzz Lightyear, infinity and beyond. Infinity of yeah, that's what he's saying when he says seven times seven. He's saying infinity and beyond. Not only do you forgive, you forgive over and over and over and over again. And folks, this it, it absolutely is not easy to do. Yes? Be honest. Is it easy to do? No. Is it easy to forgive once? Depends. Easy to forgive twice? Really depends. Easy to forgive three times? Really depends. Seven times? Uh-uh. Now you're off, you're off the chart. How about 70 times? How about infinity? With no qualifications, no buts, no ifs, no ands, no nothing. Wow. So here he goes. Here we go. The act, uh, the parable in three acts. P- pure genius. Pure genius. Let's go quickly. Okay. Since he could not pay, this is the idea of Act 1. The king comes, and he comes to his kingdom, wherever that kingdom is, we're not told, and he goes to his his servant, uh, the steward of his kingdom, and he says, you owe me a debt. All right? You owe me a debt. And that debt is 10,000 talents. It's time for you to pay the debt. And the servant cannot pay the debt. He cannot pay the debt. Here's why he cannot pay the debt. It's 10,000 talents. Now, some of you have study Bibles or maybe you have an old Bible that will tell you how many dollars that is. Do any of you have that in your lap? Tells you how many dollars it is? It's great, fine. Just, you know, one Bible I looked at this week was uh, published in 1953, I think. The dollars were a lot different than today's dollars. So here's a better way to look at it. This is what the commentators say, a little bit better way to look at it. 10,000 talents. One talent, one, was about 20 years of wages for a well-paid worker. 
20 years of wages, one talent, well-paid worker. 10,000 talents, which, and in that day, 20 years represented a career. Now, now our careers go sometimes 40 years, maybe longer. But in those days, a person didn't live quite as long, and they worked hard, and, you know, people didn't manage these 40-year careers. They're lucky if they live 40 or 50 years. So a 20-year career. So imagine this. One talent, 20 years, wages, a whole lifetime of wages. One talent. In other words, to pay back this debt, it would have been 200,000 years. Now, remember, these are uneducated people that Jesus is talking to by and large. Most of them don't know uh, uh, numbers up to, you know, a, a dozen or ten or something would have been a lot of numbers. People didn't know how to add, they didn't know how to subtract, except in small amounts. So when they say something like 10,000 or even 1,000, all of the, the, the peasants would have said, whoa, this is impossible. This is Bernie Madoff kind of money. You know who Bernie Madoff is? Nobody knows. Okay, never mind. All right. I can't use any of my fun cultural references with you. You need to watch the news. All right. Look, this is the kind of money you can't pay. It's impossible to pay. Now, we're not told how he gets into debt. We don't know what kind of deal. We don't know what he did with his credit cards. We have no idea. All we know is that it is in a hyperbolic amount of money. It is extremity. It's not a billion. It's not a million. It's bazillion. It's impossible to pay. 200,000 years, 200,000 lifetimes would not get you the money to pay this debt. The extent of the debt is impossible. The ability to pay, listen to this, the extent's impossible, the amount. The ability to pay is also amount. In other words, he says, give me more time. How much time? 200,000 years. If he lived 10 lifetimes, he wouldn't have enough. If he lived 100 lifetimes, he wouldn't have enough. Do you see, his ability to pay was also impossible. The amount was impossible, the ability to pay, and finally, the currency. Who does he owe? He doesn't owe the bank the money. He didn't borrow uh, uh, you know, money against a car, you know, and he's got to pay the car or whatever. It's not that. He owes the king. It's like owing the IRS. You're going to pay, or what happens to you? If you, you're going to jail. If you can't pay your car loan, what's the worst thing that happens? They come get the car. My grandfather was a used car dealer. And I went on many, many times with him when I was a teenager, barely driving, to go repossess cars. It was unbelievable what he would do. He would drop me off and make me steal the car. And I would turn around looking for him, and he would be gone already. Like, you know, I would get in the car, and I would think, what happens if the car doesn't start? You know, people are going to come running out with a shotgun, and he's gone. He was quite a character. But anyway, I I repossessed cars. Okay, never mind. Uh, (laughs) He didn't have the right currency. You owe the king. You don't just owe anybody. You owe the king. You're going to jail. Justice is... You will be sold, you, your wife, your children, everybody. You're going to jail. He owes the king. He didn't have enough... But he is so deluded. Think, this is what's going on. This man is under such strong delusion that he thinks 
If I have enough time, if I can, I'll pay him back. He's trying to negotiate with the king. What does the king do? Look at this. Look at verse 27. Out of pity. This word pity is one of those words I wish... You know what? You don't need to speak Greek. Just go get a lexicon. Go get a Greek lexicon, a dictionary, and look up the word pity. It's hard to pronounce in English, so I'm not going to bother you with that. But it's the word to be moved at the deepest part of your being. Deeply moved. In other words, your insides are just constricted with what? Compassion. Love. Mercy. You're you're moved in such a way that all you can see is, is, is pure mercy and love for this person. And so the king says, out of that... See, it doesn't come from, we would we, like to think, well, he feels sorry for the guy. It's not that. It says he didn't feel sorry for the guy. He says, out of pity. It came from the king. It came from who he was. What kind of a, a being the king was. What kind of a person he was. And of course, everybody knows what he's talking about. Okay, he's talking about God. But he's, he, he, he is moved in such a way out of his own being to show mercy and compassion and forgive now listen carefully forgive the debt let loose the debtor forgive the debt let loose the debtor out of pity the king shows amazing grace mercy compassion of love he does not listen he does not give the man more time which is what he asked for He doesn't give him more time. He frees him completely. Erases the debt. Okay. Act 2. He goes out. Happy day. I'm free. I don't know anybody. And he goes out. He runs into another servant. A fellow servant who owed him 100 denarii. 100 denarii. He seized this man violently. In other words, he was violent with the man. Took him by force. Started to choke him. And says, pay me what you owe. And the man does the same thing. He falls on his knees and he says, give me more time. And I will pay you what I owe. Now, Listen carefully because this, is going, this, will, this will hopefully bring some things into context that will be helpful to you. A hundred denarii was not a pittance. It was not some little bit. It wasn't like the one guy owed a million, the other guy only owed five dollars. Not at all. A hundred denarii was about a uh, hundred days wages. A denarii was one day's wage for a well-paid worker. Most people didn't make that. But in this congregation, middle-class people, you understand. About a day's wages. All right? One. So a hundred denarii would have represented about a third of the year's income. And what is that? That is very manageable, very doable. If you make $60,000 a year... Uh, uh, in, in income, if you make 60000 that means 20000 about the about a car loan. And given enough time, you could pay that back. It was doable. It was manageable. It was 
something that could have actually happened. It was reasonable to ask for more time, unlike this man's request, give me more time, it wouldn't have mattered how long he lived, he'd have never paid it back. But given enough time, this fellow servant could actually pay the debt back. And instead, what this servant does is exercise his right. Listen carefully. He exercises his right to justice. Maximum justice. In other words, the guy was in default of the loan. So instead of giving him more time, instead of maybe spreading out the payments or doing whatever was necessary, he puts him in prison. Maximum just no pity, no mercy, no patience, into jail. Into jail you go. And his refusal, this is so important, his refusal says that he still did not understand the grace and the pity and the mercy that was shown to him. This is a person who is still living under strong Delusion. He does not understand the extent and impossibility of his debt, and he doesn't understand the grace and mercy of the king. That's Act 2. So, Act 3, let's go to that. Verse 31 You wicked servant. The fellow, the fellow servants come and report to the king. They tell him what happened because they're shocked too. You see it. It really shocks our sensibilities when we're talking about that because we're, we're tracking. We're gonna, all, all of us are tracking right now. You're probably shocked that, that uh, like, the, like these servants, they go and they tell their master, you're not going to believe what he did. Look at it. We're all okay because we're talking about money. But now we're going to get into the debt part. The fellow servants report, and he says this, I, the king, forgave you all that debt because you pleaded shouldn't you have had mercy on a fellow servant a person like you as I had mercy on you and in anger he delivers him to the jailer you see a rejection of mercy is equivalent to a reception of justice okay you want to deal now you want to deal in that arena no more mercy Let's just do what's right. Let's just do what's right. Let's give you what you deserve. What is owed. And now you start to see the problem. Jesus brilliantly, it, it just blows me. When, I, when I'm doing this during the week, when I'm studying this, I just sit there sometimes and shake my head and go, how? I, I want to know more about Him. What a man, what a person to get to know. A person that can think like this, like Jesus thought. Because what he does in a master stroke is he takes debt, something we all understand, and he ties it to sin. Something we do also understand, but we like to minimize. All right, a dollar is a dollar. But sin, we can minimize our sin. I'm not as bad as the next guy, or that wasn't so bad, or this isn't. Such a terrible thing. I can make this up. I can, I can repair this. And in a, in, a, in a stroke, Jesus brings it home. It is sin that you owe the debt. How are you going to pay? How are you going to manage that debt? What will you do? 
And now everyone listening, the people, the peasants, whether they were peasants or well-educated Pharisees, everybody gets what he's talking about and everybody's feeling the discomfort. I hope that you're feeling a little bit this morning. I do. And here's his answer. His answer actually started in in verse uh, 21 when Peter asked him the question, 21 and 22, and he said, how often? And he says, 70 times 7. He answered it there, but here he brings it home. How many times must I forgive? And so what Jesus' answer is, is this. Listen carefully. As often, as much, and in the same manner as you've been forgiven. Are you listening? As much, as often, and in the same manner as you have been forgiven. That's how you are to dispense forgiveness. Do you want justice or do you want mercy in your life? What do you want? You know, everyone is going to stand at the bar of God someday in the court of divine justice, including us. We will appear in that bar. We will stand there and face Almighty God. And the, and the books will be opened and every thought, word, and deed will be read out loud in front of the court. Imagine the horror of what that's going to entail. The shame, the guilt, everything, the weight of it. And it's going to come on us too. Don't think it's not. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat. And God is going to say, what do you want? Do you want mercy or do you want justice? You can have what you want. But you're going to get one or the other. And what we know is that many, many people, they're not going to, they're not, they're, the answer they give today is the answer they'll give then. I want justice. I'm going to represent myself. I'm going to be my own lawyer. And I'm going to stand here and I'm going to show you all my good works and let's weigh them out and let's see how they all come out. And that's how I want to be judged. And the rest of us, me, I can promise you, I'm going to yell out, mercy, mercy. And I have nothing to say in my defense, but I have a good lawyer. Here he is. Be kind, the Apostle Paul said. Tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. Are you with me? As much, as often, as needed. Now, let me take a break and give you all a break. Listen carefully. This will help you. Forgiveness is not leniency. And what we think is, well, you mean I have to forgive them after what they've done to me and And listen, it can be horrific. I have been betrayed. I have been betrayed in ways that you cannot imagine by people very, very close to me. I won't go into any detail because I don't want you to think bad of them. But if you want to have coffee, I'll tell you and we can gossip (laughs) so you can't. I mean, think about it. I mean, some of us, you've had terrible things happen to you. You know, horrific sin in our lives. Sometimes when we were little, stuff happens to us that we had, you know, child abuse and things like that. Nothing, we we did nothing to deserve it and yet it happens. 
and that sin is perpetrated. How do you forgive? Does that mean we just let them off, ollie, ollie, oxen free, everything's back to normal, we need to have a great relationship with our abuser? What's the answer? No, you never have to see them again, you never have to look at them, you don't have to be their friend, nothing. But if you don't forgive them, it will create such toxicity in your own soul that you will suffer. And Jesus knows the psychology of a human being. And that if we harbor bitterness in our heart, it will eat us from the inside out. Yes? And so he's saying forgive. But forgiveness is not leniency. Consequences may have to be addressed. Certain things may have to be redressed. Things may have to happen. But he's saying you forgive as you've been forgiven. As much, as often, as much, to the same extent. Because it's good for you. Free them, let them go. Grace is not leniency. Forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is choosing not to hold the offense against someone, not requiring payment, not reminding them of their sin, not requiring redress. Instead, it is trusting God with the justice that they deserve. Okay? Vengeance is mine, I will repay. So he's not saying you let them off the hook. He's saying that you step back and you say, I will forgive, I'm going to to take a posture of forgiveness, and I'm going to entrust that God will see to it that justice is done. Are you with me? Everybody? Okay. But the complaint is, but, 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 but. And we think of all the reasons why we shouldn't do that, yes? Yes? You with me? But you don't know what you don't know how bad it was, you don't know to what extent it was, you don't realize it, you don't know how much I was hurt, but 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 and Jesus says, Don't get mad at me, please. Jesus said this, but nothing. He puts no conditions. He says, You must forgive. Wow, oh my goodness, I did I wish you wouldn't do that. Why does he why does he stress it so much? Why does he caution us? Here it is. Look at Uh, this last verse. He says, So my heavenly Father will do to you if you do not forgive from your heart. You see, he's, he's putting out there a warning in the most extreme terms. He's saying that if you don't forgive, if you refuse to forgive, if you are unwilling to forgive, that means you haven't understood your debt. And that means you haven't understood God's grace. And that means that you have not repented of your own sin and your own debt. You don't belong to Him. And I want you to think carefully. Who in your life, who are you sitting in judgment of saying, I refuse? Now, if you say, I want to forgive but I can't, okay. I want to forgive but I'm really struggling because they hurt me, they hurt me bad. I get it and I understand. In fact, Jesus puts a very high value on that. He says it's 10,000 talents. He's not saying it's nothing. You with me? He's saying it's bad. But he's saying forgive without qualification. Why? Because it's a debt. It's a debt. This is the pure genius of our Savior. I can't say enough about him this morning. It's a debt. And what do we know about debts? What is the one true thing about a debt go ahead what 
We owe someone. And a debt, what do you have to do with a debt? It's got to be paid, right? Somebody's got to pay it. Who pays in this parable? Who pays the 200,000 years of wages? Who does it? The king does it. He doesn't just willy-nilly say, oh, the debt's canceled, the debt's released. Somebody's got to pay a debt. Debts have to be paid. They are owed. Who pays? We think God just forgives willy-nilly. Oh, well, he's, he's so nice. He's so kind. He's so generous. He just gives it up. He just says, ollie, ollie, oxen free. And nobody pays. And if you think that, you don't understand the gospel. If you think there was no debt, if you don't see the pity and love of the Father, the King who pays this debt, how would you ever possibly forgive anyone of anything? And what I'm saying is it would be impossible for you. The only way that you could do it, unless God is actually the one who is paying the debt, you will only forgive those things in which you can tolerate and pay out of your own bank account. Yes? You will only forgive to the extent that you can bear it. But if somebody really hurts you, really wounds you, in ways that cannot be repaid, how can you be asked by Jesus to go and forgive them? And Jesus gives a parable and says, you do not go to your bank account to forgive anybody for anything ever. Never go to your bank account. You go to the king who paid the 10,000 talents for you. You withdraw. As you have been forgiven, forgive. Do you see? He's saying, don't, don't try to forgive people out of your own largesse. You don't have enough. You don't have the right currency. But I can tell you, you can forgive anybody of anything if you forgive them in the same way that you have been forgiven. Do you see it? And this is what he is asking. This is why there is no qualification. Who pays? Listen, here's who pays. Sorry, I'm going along, but listen. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give His life a ransom for many. He gave Himself a ransom for all. He gave Himself to redeem us. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. You were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tribe, on the tree. By His wounds we are healed. Christ suffered once the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being alive in the Spirit. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. This, this is my blood of the eternal covenant poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins to pay the debt. Jesus pays our debt. When He tells us, listen, when He tells us to forgive, He never expects you to pay. 
He expects you to run to Him and say, Jesus, my heart is broken. I've been hurt. I've been wounded. Help me forgive. Teach me forgiveness. Let me forgive. You paid this debt for me. I will, in your name, extend forgiveness to them. That doesn't mean everything goes back to the way it was before. No, no. Sometimes people do things that are horrendous and we can never, ever be with them or around them again. But he pays the debt and not you. That way the toxic poison of unforgiveness doesn't build and build and build and pollute the temple of God, you, His people. We forgive because He first forgave us and paid the debt. For us, for them, for everything, He paid the debt. Run to Jesus. At least be willing to forgive. Refusal to forgive, intransigence, dangerous. Today, say to him, if you can think of people that you've just held a grudge against, fine. Release it today. Let go. Say, you know, Lord, I can't stand them. I hate them. That's okay. But I want to forgive them. Now you're on the right track. Now the trajectory is set towards forgiveness. And you won't end up like this guy where you're having to pay with your life. Those are people that are going to go into eternity refusing to, pay, refusing to forgive and unable to pay. Okay? Will you trust Him? That's what He's asking. That's what He's demanding in the parable. Will you trust me to do what is right on your behalf? You extend forgiveness, I'll take care of justice. You show mercy, I'll show justice. I'll do what is right. Trust Him. Let's pray. Father, wow, it's so hard to think of these things. There are so many cruel and hateful exceptions that we try to think of, and yet you have forgiven us all that debt. Help us, please forgive those who have offended us. Help us. Help us to get on that road, that trajectory to forgiveness. We pray in Jesus' name, please. Amen.